Welcome to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com, the show that's here to make the topic of taxes fun and interesting while providing great advice for individuals and small business owners on how to mitigate their tax liabilities. Now, here are your hosts, Craig and Belsis Smalley. Good afternoon, listeners, and thank you for joining us on Tax Avoidance is Legal. I'm your host, Belsis Smalley. And I'm your host, Craig Smalley. This is week one of our show, and we're very excited to be with you live on the air. We've decided to challenge ourselves with making the topic of taxes fun and interesting. So I know what you're thinking, impossible, but don't turn the dial just yet. We, are, we might surprise you. Yeah, so this week we're going to talk about something that is very uh, near and dear to my heart, and it's something that we um, discuss a lot in um, with our uh, business owner clients. We're going to talk about entity structuring and the taxation associated with it. Um, so we're live on the air, and we're happy to take calls. The call-in number is one eight 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 go for it or one eight eight eight. Uh, 463-6748. Now, before we move forward, I just want to stress that the advice given on tax avoidance is legal, is general in nature. Uh, Craig W. Smalley, EA, and CWSEAPA, LLP, and their associated entities cannot be held responsible for the advice given on this show. You should always, always, always consult with your tax and or legal advisor. And also, Tax Avoidance is Legal can be found online at www.taxavoidanceislegal.com. You can email your questions throughout the week to us at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And any emails that we receive throughout the week through Wednesday, uh, we will do our very best to have those uh, questions and comments featured on that Friday's show. So, that being said, please feel free to visit our site and uh, send us emails with your questions. And... Um, Let's go ahead and get started with talking about the different types of entities. So, okay. Okay. So let's talk about the different types of entities that we can form. And, and let me tell you, there's a plethora of them out there. So typically, if you just go into business for yourself, you decide one day that you want to go into business and you don't do anything. Maybe you get a business license or something similar to that, but, um, you're in business for yourself. You're a sole proprietorship. So, um, you know, sole proprietorships are, you know, they're decent. They're all right. They, you know, the problem with them is that they have a uh, full legal liability. And, um, in addition to that, you also have, uh, you know, self-employment tax that you have to pay. Now we'll get into that later. And then, um, you can take it a step further. You can form a limited liability company or an LLC. You could form a corporation. You can also form a limited partnership where uh, you have a general partner that's responsible for everything, and then you have a bunch of uh, limited partners that are not responsible for anything that goes into um, the uh, the LP. And then you have um, an LLP, and that's a limited legal uh, – or I'm sorry, that's a limited liability partnership. And that's more for licensed professionals. Now – I want to talk a little bit about um, the different taxation associated with these with these different entities, and I talked a little bit about 
um, a sole proprietorship. So most of the time when we meet somebody, uh, a client, they've just formed a business and they're a sole proprietor. And typically they find out how bad that is tax-wise when it comes time to do um, their tax return. So as I said before, uh, sole proprietorship, uh, they have full legal liability. So uh, what that means is um, if you do something in your business and you're sued, uh, typically uh, somebody can go after your personal assets. Now, every state is different. So depending on the state that you're in, your home could be in jeopardy or your cars can be in jeopardy. Any personal effects that you have can be in jeopardy. So that's uh, one major downside to being a sole proprietorship. Now, the other downside to being a sole proprietorship is that you have to pay self-employment tax. So when you go to work for somebody, obviously they withhold Social Security and Medicare tax, and that comes out to 7.65%. But what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, the company you work for also matches that 7.65%. So that's a total of 15.3%. So one of the uh, presents from the United States government is because you're the employee and the employer, you have to pay the full amount of uh, Social Security and Medicare tax, and that's 15.3%. And then we haven't even talked about income tax yet. So um, I went into accounting years ago because I was really good at math, but I realized really quick it's 2% math and 98% tax law. So um, I'm going to use a round number here. So let's say that you're a sole proprietorship and you make $10,000 in any given year, and you're also in the 15% tax bracket. Well, your self-employment tax on $10,000 is $1,530, and then uh, roughly your income tax would be uh, $1,500 or $1, for total taxes of $3,060. So as you can see, the more money that you make, the more that you have to pay in taxes. Now, So, so that being said, it, it, it really sounds – pretty complicated here. Is there a way to avoid self-employment tax? Yes, there is a way to avoid self-employment tax. One of the ways to um, avoid self-employment tax is by forming a corporation or an LLC uh, being taxed as an S corporation. So when you uh, form an LLC, and we'll get into a little bit more about LLCs later, but um, there are ways to avoid self-employment tax, but we'll get to that later. We have a caller on the line, um, Jay. He wants to know uh, the difference between uh, starting a company in Nevada as opposed to Delaware and why they are so different. Um, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Very good question. Um we do get that a lot. A lot of folks always want to know, um, you know, where do I, once they figure out that they want to incorporate or form a corporation, usually the next question is, um, where should I incorporate? What state should I incorporate? And, um, what are the benefits or what are the, you know, differences that you get, um, depending on where you incorporate? So, um, I think you probably were going to go into that a little bit further, but you may want to interject here since we've got Jay um, who uh, who wants to uh, ask that question. Yes, absolutely. So let's say that you're in the state of Florida. So you can incorporate in the state of Florida. Now, um, the reason why I'm using Florida is one of our offices is in Florida. So in Florida, 
what you do is uh, we have something called government under the sunshine, which means that everything is public record. So um, if you want to find out anything about anybody in the state of Florida, you just go to the government website and you type in that person's name and everything comes up. So if somebody wanted to know if, if you owned a company, a corporation or an LLC, all they have to do is go to the Department of uh uh, I'm sorry, the Division of Corporations website, type your name in, and then up comes every LLC or corporation that you own. Now, most states are like that as well. So, um, But here in Florida, it's really a big uh, deal. Now, if you incorporate in um, another state, if you, uh, if you incorporate in another state like uh, Delaware or Nevada, um, you know, if you incorporate in Nevada, Nevada uh, has privacy. So you don't have to list yourself as an owner or um, an officer in Nevada. And that's one of the good things. And Nevada is more expensive to incorporate in. Um, but if, if privacy is something that's very important to you, you would want to um, form your company and, and Nevada. Now, the difference between Nevada and Delaware is Delaware – Delaware is um, is a little bit different. It's got a lot of business. Um, it's got a lot of business. Uh, yeah. There are uh, different business laws that uh, take place there um, where um, there's something called the court of chancery where uh, they don't have jury trials. The court, uh, the court is the one that um, that takes care of all of that. So, um, now, you know, uh, if there's is- a is um is Jay on the line right now? Can we get him um, on just to make sure that um, we've answered his question? Yes, I, I am on the line. Thank you very much. Oh, thank oh you, I'm, Jay. I'm so sorry, Hi. Jay. You know, this is this is our first week of the show, and I didn't realize you were on the line. So, um, so basically, the difference there is. Um, Delaware, they have uh, a court of chancery. So if you're ever sued for something, instead of a jury um, making a decision on something, um, then um, a judge makes a, a decision on something based on law and not on a motion like you know, like juries do. Now, it takes longer to incorporate in Delaware unless you pay a thousand dollar expediting fee. So. Um, if you expedite, so most of your bigger corporations are incorporated in Delaware, and then um, the people that want privacy are usually incorporated in um, Nevada. Thank you so much for calling, Jay. I, I I apologize. No problem. Thank you very much, and best of luck on your show. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. So before um, before Jay had called, we were talking about. Um, self-employment tax and how to um, mitigate self-employment tax. Well, very simply, to mitigate self-employment tax, you do nothing more than you form a corporation or an LLC taxed as a corporation or an S-corporation. So um, S-corporations are a little bit different. S-corporations don't pay taxes. They file their own tax return, but they don't pay taxes the profits and the losses flow to the shareholders to be claimed on the shareholders' personal tax return. Now, the I benefit see. to that, yeah, so the benefit to that is you pay tax on that money one time. The other benefit to that is when it flows over to you, you don't pay self-employment tax. So, um, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, that is, 
yeah, that's one of the big things that I noticed that we get a lot of questions on, um, you know, in our practices. We see a lot of clients come in, and uh, one of the things they don't realize is that um, whether they're a C or an S corporation, um, it, it's not actually a um, um, how they – that doesn't depend um, – there's a difference with how they pay their taxes, basically, whether they're a C or an S corporation. Um, so that's one of the things that I'd really like you to go into. If you could explain um, to the audience um, and those who are listening who are a little confused, um, like I was prior to, to working in, in accounting, um, is exactly what is the difference between a C or an S corporation? Um, and um, how exactly does that fall into play with regards to how you're taxed? Very, that's a very good question. And, and I apologize. I've been doing this for, um, a few years and, um, I have a tendency to go fast. So I'm going to slow down a little bit because this is very, very important. Um, a C corporation just so happens to be subchapter C of the Internal Revenue Code. And basically, um, the corporation itself pays tax. And, um, so if you have a profit, you could pay, um, anywhere between 15% all the way up to 35% in taxes. Um, S corporate, and then if you take money out of the, out of the C corporation as a dividend, you're pay, you pay tax again on your personal tax return. So the downside to a C corporation is, um, the downside to a C corporation is double taxation. Um, S corporations themselves, they don't pay tax. Uh, the profits and the losses flow to the shareholders to be claimed on the shareholders' personal tax return. That's basically the differences between the two. Okay, that sounds uh, much better. It, it just, it sometimes it can seem so overwhelming. I know, having been on the other end of the spectrum, it just seems like there are so many options out there, and um, it seems like you know whether you are a C or an S corporation can make a huge difference. So I just wanted to. Um, make sure that, uh, that that was clear to everybody. And while we're um, slowing things down just a little bit, um, it's uh, about time for us to take a little break, and um, we will be right back with you guys in just a couple of minutes. At Tax Crisis Center, LLC, we solve tax problems for a living. If you have a tax problem with the IRS, you've probably been inundated with postcards and letters from different tax resolution companies all over the country. Tax Crisis Center, LLC, is the country's premier tax resolution company. Unlike other tax resolution companies that will take your money and do nothing for you, once we are retained, we go to work. We get results for our clients and will handle your IRS problem professionally and expeditiously. Don't let the IRS push you around anymore. Give us a call at 1-855-IRS-2911. Email us at help at taxcrisiscenter.com or visit us on the web at www.taxcrisiscenter.com and let your voice be heard. CWSEAPA is a financial services company specializing in taxation and tax-related issues. Tax planning is a year-round activity. The biggest mistake that people make is thinking about taxes during tax time. When you have a complex tax situation, you need to plan for taxes on a year-round basis. Our specialty is mitigating our clients' tax obligations through careful tax planning. Tax avoidance is legal. Call us today at one 1- 
844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can visit us on the web at cwseapa.com or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Put us to work for you today. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Here's Craig and Belsis Smalley. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Um, prior to our break, we went into uh, some of the different types of entities, um, and Craig went over um, very briefly the different types of entities, LLCs, corporations, LPs, LLPs, um, and then he discussed a little bit about sole proprietorships. Um, I just wanted to kind of come in and ask some of the questions that we get, um, that we see a lot in our practice. Um, and one of those is, um, what are, uh, some of the drawbacks of partnerships? We hear and, um, we do unfortunately experience this a lot. We'll see a lot of challenges with folks, um, who get involved in partnerships. So, Craig, if you don't mind, um, just speaking a little bit regarding the benefits and drawbacks to uh, partnerships. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Now, partnerships are, um, kind of a way to, uh, go into business with somebody where one person does one thing and the other person does another thing. So, um, you know, p- a partnership is, uh, basically a good thing because you're sharing responsibilities. Now, there's a lot of downsides to partnerships. And let me, um, before I tell you what the downsides are, um, I've been in practice for 22 years and I've never seen a partnership ever end well. So, um, that's one thing, but, um, partnerships, uh, the, the downside to those uh, partnerships are that um, your partner can legally tie you um, as the other partner to some certain um, something. So, for instance, if you were if your partner went out and got a loan for the partnership, he could tie you to having to pay back that loan and you didn't even know about it. So um, those are the down. That's a, down, a big downside to partnerships. Now, oh, definitely, I would definitely say that would be a downside. I'd be uh, quite upset if a partner of mine got me involved in uh, some kind of a mess. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and therein lies the problem. Now, um, the taxation of a partnership is, is sort of like an S corporation with a, uh, twist on it. So partnerships, they file their own tax returns. They, um, uh, the income or the loss or the profit or the loss flows through to the partners to be claimed on the partner's personal tax returns. Now, in a partnership, when it flows over to you, you pay self-employment tax in addition to income tax. Um, that's only if you're a general partner. Now, if you're in a limited partnership, that's different. You could be a limited partner. So um, to be a limited partner, this would be a business that um, is treated as passive. And what that really means is if you don't spend more than 500 hours of your time in a business or this is something that you do uh, sort of on the side. And a perfect example of this are um, oil wells. If you're invested in an oil well or something similar to that, you're a limited partner. So um, being a limited partner, when the money flows over to you, it's treated as passive income or passive loss, and it's not subject to self-employment tax. And also, 
limited partners are not on the hook for anything. It's only the general partner in a um, limited partnership or a limited liability partnership. So that kind of goes back to my, my previous question um, about how, you know, different ways that you can avoid that self-employment tax. So you would definitely recommend um, that as a technique if you are in a partnership to be a yeah, limited partner? Yeah, yeah, to, to try to be a limited partner. But obviously, if this is your, your main business and this is what you do, you know, 40 hours a week, every week, it's hard to say that you're a limited partner because a limited partner just has really nothing to do with um, the partnership. They're just passive owners of things. So um, that's very hard. Now, typically um, what a partnership will end up doing will is they will form a limited liability company and, um, you know, go about things that way. So um, I sort of wanted to uh, go back to our discussion a little bit that I was talking about uh, before break a little bit about um, the differences in S corporations and C corporations and um, all of that. Now, um, there's something that uh, that we're asked a lot about. So, and the question is always, what is the difference between a corporation and a limited liability company? Belsis, wouldn't you say we get asked that question a lot? Yeah, we definitely do. Um, I mean, we hear that quite a bit. Um, uh, we the, the main questions we are always asked are what are the difference between the the, the C and the S corporations and then um, if they have a corporation they want to know why um, why do we see so many LLCs what's the whole deal behind them why are they so popular um, so if you could definitely go into explaining um, why limited liability corporations have become so popular um, and you see a lot more of them these days than you see um, C corporations am I right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, let me sort of give you the uh, Cliff Notes version of this because the differences are there's many of them. So um, typically, and I always like to explain a corporation kind of like your father. Your father is very reliable. So um, a corporation is sort of the old guard. So what a corporation is, is you form a corporation and um, if somebody sues uh, the corporation, they can only go after the assets of the corporation. And that's a very good thing. So uh, you're uh, you're the, you're the way. Uh, the only thing that you could be out is your investment in the corporation. So let's say, just for example, that you put a thousand dollars in the corporation and the corporation got sued. Provided that corporation is run correctly um, and there is a judgment entered against the corporation, they can only go after assets of the corporation and not your personal assets. So the only thing that you would lose personally would be that thousand dollars that you put into the corporation. Now, all of that sounds good, but the problem with corporations are they're sort of like your father. They have a lot of rules that you have to follow. So in a corporation, you have to have regular meeting minutes. You have to um, you have to make sure that, um, you know, you have bylaws in a corporation. You can only have uh, two different types of stock. You can only have common or preferred stock. So um, that's pretty much a corporation in a nutshell. So it sounds like, um, you know, you really have to be cautious um, if you do form an LLC that you are following all those rules and all the guidelines to make sure that the main purpose of it, um, which is to protect yourself, that you're actually following all the guidelines so that it works as it should because 
we do uh, we have seen a few people from time to time who come to us for help later on when uh, they formed an LLC and didn't follow the rules and then they kind of are opening themselves up to that liability that they were um, seeking in the first place right yeah corporations we're talking about corporations so um, now we'll talk about limited liability companies and how they're different from corporations. Now, um, oh, and also just one more thing about corporations. They can only be taxed two different ways as an S corporation or a C corporation. And that's it. Now, an S elect, an S corporation election or a C corporation election is just a tax election, um, given by the Internal Revenue Service. It has nothing to do with the legal structure of your company. And we're asked that question a lot. It's nothing more than a tax election that you've made. So, right. um, getting in- so they for- they form a corporation and then they have to actually make an election whether they um, as to whether they want to be taxed as a C or an S corporation, correct? Well, as a corporation, if you don't make an election at all, your taxes is a C corporation. You default to a C corporation. You would have to make an election to be taxed as an S corporation if you wanted to be taxed as an S corporation. Um, okay. Now. Limited liability companies are the greatest thing since sliced bread, and let me explain why. Limited liability companies came to be probably right when I first started in practice, about a couple years after I had been in practice, and the problem with them was that uh, – you had to have more than one um, person in the limited liability company and um, the taxation of them were was you had to only be taxed one way. Well, things have really, really changed with limited liability companies. So an LLC will will give you the same amount of legal protection that a corporation will give you. So if you were ever sued, going back to the corporation, if the LLC is ever sued, the only thing that you can lose personally is your investment. So you would lose your investment in the um, the LLC. But if you operate the LLC correctly, then they can't come after your personal assets. So that's um, one of the main benefits of, uh, you know, forming a um a limited liability company. And that's kind Another, of what I was getting at uh, earlier yes. that, that I mentioned, that uh, we, we have seen folks where they um, they come in uh, seeking advice on how to protect themselves, and uh, uh, there are a lot of rules that they do need to be aware of with, with regards to um, the limited liability and um, ensuring that they are protecting themselves, correct? Absolutely. Now, with an LLC, LLCs, the reason why they're so popular is that they have flexibility. They have so much flexibility. So um, the flexibility of an, a limited liability company is that you can write the operating agreement, which is just like the bylaws of a corporation, but you can write those to favor one partner over another or to um, without creating different classes of ownership, which is really nice um, when it comes to um, electing your tax status, which is also flexible. Now, if you're a one-person LLC and you make no election otherwise, 
your tax is a sole proprietorship. If you're a two-person LLC and you make no election otherwise, your tax is a partnership. So the LLC can also make an election to be taxed as an S-corporation, and it can also make an election to be taxed as a C-corporation. So um, and that I have, I have about, some questions on the, on that actually um, because well, um, well we're about to go to break so why don't you ask those questions right after uh, we come back from the break? That sounds great. Yeah, I'd like to see if we can cover um, why um, why it's important to uh, file that uh, that S election if you do decide to do that because as you're mentioning now it sounds like it could uh, default to something that you didn't realize and then you'll end up. Uh, in trouble come tax time. We're going to go ahead and uh, take a short little break. And um, when we return, Craig can go ahead and tackle those questions about um, S elections um, with LLCs and how uh, def- it defaults to either a uh, sole proprietor or partnership um, and all the details surrounding that. Forming a corporation or LLC can separate personal assets from your business assets. No matter what state your business operates in, forming a corporation or LLC in Nevada, Delaware, or Florida has benefits. For example, forming a corporation in Nevada offers privacy and no corporate income tax. Forming a corporation in Delaware can give you the legal protection of the state of Delaware, which is business friendly. On top of the legal reasons to form a corporation, there are tax benefits as well. Give us a call today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Come and see what you've been missing. Payroll can be a nightmare for a small business. When you have employees, you have to pay them periodically, pay the taxes associated with them, and file quarterly tax reports with the Internal Revenue Service and the state that your business operates in. Our payroll is seamless. It is done through a cloud-based system. All you do is put in what you are paying your employees and approve your payroll. We handle the rest. Our fees are lower than the national payroll companies, too. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or visit us on the web at CWSEAPAPayrollService.com. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Here's Craig and Belsis Smalley. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming back to us. Uh, we were uh, just discussing um, LLCs, and um, Craig, I'm going to let you take over here and just uh just reiterate a little bit about uh, the S elections with regards to LLCs and how that can affect folks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So going back into the flexibility of um, limited liability companies, you can um, elect that uh, limited liability, the uh, LLC, to be taxed as um, as an S corporation. And then in doing that, you have all of the responsibilities that you have um, as just a corporation taxes and as corporation, because again, that's just a tax election. Now, 
there is something that I do want to point out about S corporations. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because it'll cause a lot of people to go to sleep is um, in an S corporation. You have to reasonably compensate yourself. Okay. So um, in reasonable compensation, uh, you have to pay a portion of, of what you pay yourself. You do have to pay social security and Medicare on uh, some of that. Okay. Um, now, with regards to LLCs, um, I, I hear a lot about them, how, um, how flexible they are versus other entities. Why is that? What exactly do people mean when they talk about um, the flexibility of LLCs and how they're a lot more flexible than other um, entities? Well, yeah, like we sort of went into already about the, uh, the flexibility of them. One of the greatest flexibilities of them is the taxation of them and how you can be very flexible in the way that you pay taxes. And that's, you know, like I said back, uh, 22 years ago when, um, I first went into practice, accountants hated LLCs because you had to be taxed as a partnership. But now with the flexibility of the taxation, we love them. We absolutely love them. So, um, that's one of the, uh, the main, um, things with an LLC. Now, the other types of flexibility with an LLC are that, um, as I touched on earlier, you can write your operating agreement to favor, um, one partner over another. So if you have a partner that's invested, um, more money or more time or something, you can write, uh, the operating agreement in such a way that you um, give that person preferred stock. Now, preferred stock is basically a type of stock where that person is paid uh, the profits of the company first. So um, the problem is in an S corporation, if you're a regular corporation, you can only have one class of stock being common stock. So in an LLC, you can write your operating agreement where you basically have preferred and common stock, and it doesn't uh, nullify the election to be taxed as an S corporation. Well, that's interesting. I was not aware of that. That's good to know. So it sounds like you have a lot of flexibility with how you um, operate the business. Um, is that something that you would recommend folks try to tackle on them on their own or have someone else write that operating agreement for them? Because it sounds a bit complicated. Yes, I would absolutely not. There's a lot of boilerplate um, operating agreements out there online that you can find them where, you know, you just put your name in and things like that. Um, if you have an operating agreement that most of the time, most of the time, the operating agreement will be, you know, just a boilerplate operating agreement. But if you start getting into things where you're creating two different classes of stock and things like that, you really want a professional to write that operating agreement for sure, because you don't, um, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So you've got to be very, very careful about that. Yes, definitely. I, I, I can see how I, I would get myself in trouble if I, you know, was trying to write an operating agreement. So <laughs> I'm just speaking from, from, uh, you know, the common person's point of view. Um, so I've heard something, uh, about dual corporate strategy. What exactly does that mean? I've heard that term bounced around and I'm not certain really what, what it means. Is that uh, something that has to do with LLCs? Well, yeah, and it can be, it can do with LLCs and it can also do with corporations. Now, I want to sort of go back and just, um, you know, talk a little bit about, 
um, before I get into the dual corporate strategy because it's important. So, um, in 2012, there was a brand new tax law that passed, and um, that tax law basically created the highest uh, personal tax bracket at 39.6%. So um, any money, anybody that was in a net corporation, any money that was flowing over to them, they would have to pay tax at 39.6%, and that's horrible. That's not, you know, it's almost 40% in taxes. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, um, what happened in light of that was something, um, that, you know, started that we started doing with our clients and, um, other professionals. Well, not very many professionals, but we started doing with our clients is once you start hitting those levels of taxation, it's time to sort of, um, complicate your situation a little bit, uh, by, forming another corporation. And what you basically do is you um, form a, a C corporation, not an S corporation, and you form a C corporation and you basically split off some of the um, some of the functions that your corporation had, whether it be payroll, whether it be human resources, whether it be billing or something like that and you let this C corporation basically manage the S corporation and the S corporation pays the C corporation a fee to do that. So you're removing money from your higher tax bracket of 39.6% and you're putting it into a corpor- into a C corporation. Now, now that sounds a-, a bit complicated. Do people really want to complicate themselves that way? Is it really um is it that advantageous for them? Yes, it is. So um, that's something that you always, and that's a very good question, Belsis. That's something you always have to weigh with um, tax avoidance uh, strategies is that um, anytime you're doing tax avoidance, what you're doing is you're complicating your situation. And is the complication really necessary? Is it the, is the complication something that you, um, that you want to do? So, um, a lot of times, uh, people, you know, because of the money that you save, they want to. So when you form this C corporation, you make it a fiscal year corporation. And let me explain what fiscal year means. An S corporation, um, ends the year end of an S corporation is always December 31st. There's some exceptions to that, but 99.9% of the time, it always ends December 31st. You would start a C corporation that had a fiscal year end, and I like to use the fiscal year end of September 30th. And the reason for that is um, when you're paying over these management fees to the other corporation, to to the C corporation, you can get to year end and um, of your S corporation and see that there's a large profit, and you could uh, pay uh, money in advance to. Uh, the management company, uh, the, the C corporation, and then you can avoid the taxes, um, on that amount of money in that one current year because the basics to tax avoidance is the timing of income. So you've just now timed your income. Now, when the, uh, when the money is, is, um, 
goes over to the C corporation. There's so many things that you can do with it that you can't do with an S corporation. For instance, S corporations, the owners of S corporations are not allowed to have fringe benefits. So a fringe benefit would be a, a medical reimbursement plan. It would be a company car. It would be, um, you know, different expense accounts, you know, things and like that. Why is that? Why is it that they're not um, allowed to have those uh, fringe benefits? Um, well, because, you know, basically. Does that have to do with them having to offer the same to, you know, others or am I getting no, two different ideas confused no, two, here? Yeah, there's two different ideas, uh, confused here. In an S corporation, you're just not allowed anybody, anybody that's a more than 2% shareholder in an S corporation, they just can't have fringe benefits. So oh, that's okay. just, uh, yeah, so there is, I don't, there's no rhyme or reason to that. They just can't. So. It's a hard the, and fast rule. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So in the, um, in the C corporation, you have these Frings benefits and then you would stop paying your salary out of the S corporation and you would start paying your salary out of the C corporation. And with that salary, you would start something like a solo 401k or something similar to that where you can put in, um, up to $18,000. Um, if you're under 50 or if you're over 50, you can put in $23,000 and then you can also pay 25% of your compensation. So if you were compensating yourself at a hundred thousand dollars and you're under 50, you could put the $18,000 away plus an additional $25,000. So the goal is to get your tax, um, in the C corporation down to to 15% that you would pay taxes on. So instead of paying it at almost 40%, now you're paying taxes at 15%. So ah, that's okay. the main reason. Yeah. So that's why you want to complicate your life a little bit because you're saving a tremendous amount of money in taxes. Now that makes a lot of sense. Uh, definitely willing to complicate myself if it brings my uh, tax um, rate down from, you said almost 40% to about 15%. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's the main reason to do the, uh, the dual, um, uh, corporation. That's the, the absolute main reason to do it. Wow. Okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense. I'm glad that, uh, I asked, uh, that question because, uh, I've heard about it a lot. It sounded complicated. It sounded, uh, like why would anyone in their right mind want to make things even more complicated? Um, but now that you've explained to the savings in taxes, it makes a heck of a lot of difference and also explains why I, um, we see a lot of these, um, LLCs where um, folks have like a management type company. Um, so it sounds like they're taking advantage of this uh, dual corporate strategy in those cases. Um, yes, I absolutely. Wonderful. Um, well, I know that um, we're going to be coming up on a break here shortly, um, but um, we had a caller earlier, Jay, who um, called in and um, we kind of thing we kind of botched it up for him because uh, it's our first show first live show so we didn't uh, we didn't really uh, get to hear too much from Jay but I know one of the questions he asked um, happened to be kind of next on my list which was all about um, you know where to incorporate and I know you briefly uh, touched on it with Jay um, because we did have the caller on the line but maybe when we return from break we can talk a little bit about um, where to incorporate and go a little bit more in depth as to um, the different benefits about that. Um, anything that you may not have covered with um, Jay's call. Um, does that sound good to you? 
Sounds great to me. So we're going to go to break and uh, we'll see you on the other side. If you are a business that has outgrown your accountant but are not big enough for one of the big four accounting firms, CWS EAPA Consulting may be perfect for you. We specialize in tax consulting for small to medium-sized businesses. We can advise you on whether it is time to start a holding company or management company to mitigate your tax liability. We can advise you on whether it is a good time to expand your business, hire employees, buy equipment, or lease equipment. There are different tax reasons to do different things. Let our over 22 years of experience work for you. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can email us at info at cwseapa.com or visit us on the web at cwseapa.com. We're doing something amazing and we want you to be a part of it. Craig Smalley is the author of 12 books regarding taxation. Two of his books have been revised this year. It starts with an idea revised edition takes you through the startup of a company. It talks about taxes, entity structuring, the IRS, and so much more. The Complete Guide to Estate, Gifts, and Trust Taxation revised edition is about how to navigate the complex estate tax. Both books have just been released by CWSEAPA Publishing, LLC, and are on sale now at Amazon.com. At Albertus Business Services Incorporated, we view ourselves as your internal bookkeeping department and are always improving ways to leverage proven cloud technologies to streamline and improve the efficiency of our outsourced services. With an in-house bookkeeper, you would run the cost of about 45000 a year. But with our monthly services, it would be a fraction of that cost. Let us help you with the tedious, time-consuming side of your business so you can focus on growing your business. Call us today at one 695 6658 Our website is albernusservices.com or email dalbernus at albernusservices.com. Your success is our business. Now let's get back to Craig and Dulcis Smalley for more of Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Thank you so much for joining us back. Um, one of the things that we get asked about a lot um, is about incorporating. Where should I incorporate? Um, why? Um, and there seems to be so many options out there. There's so many advertisements that you see on the web, on TV, um, everywhere. It seems like you get bombarded with incorporating in Nevada and Delaware um, you know, all kinds of places. I've even seen Wyoming. Um, so we had a caller earlier on in the show, Jay, who asked a little bit about this and we kind of sped through it, um, for Jay's sake. But, um, Craig, do you think you can go into a little more detail as to where to incorporate and the benefits of uh, incorporating in that particular location? 
Yes, absolutely. And this is a question that we're asked all the time. So typically, if you're, you know, whatever state that you're in, um, most people will form a uh, corporation or, or an LLC in that um, particular state. And there's there's no problem with that most of the time. And, uh, you know, that's that's fine to do. I had mentioned earlier when Jay was on the line um, about Florida and, and how we have something called government under the sunshine. And most um, most states have the exact same thing. They have where you can go to the Division of Corporations website and type somebody's name in. And uh, when they type your name in, you can see um, the corporations that they're part of or the LLCs that they're part of. And let me tell you why that's kind of important is – um, if you're ever sued personally for something or, um, you know, something like that happens, a really good lawyer is going to do something called an asset search on you. And that one, one of the things that he's going to, that they're going to do, um, is they're going to look for businesses that you own because if you don't run your business, um, like it's supposed to be run, well, it's fair game for everybody to go in and attack your judgment too. So, um, in Florida, if, if it's something where you're not really worried about privacy or anything, forming a corporation or an LLC in the state that you're in is perfectly okay. There's no problem with that. Now, um, if privacy is something that's very important to you, and I know um, that privacy is important to me, um, you would want to incorporate in a state like Nevada. So, um and there so are what, so many. what exactly is the difference in Nevada that um, allows all this privacy? Because I know I've uh, been guilty myself um, of snooping on SunBiz. I mean, I don't know if a lot of folks out there know this, but you just go on SunBiz if you're in Florida, and you can pop in anyone's name, and boom, up comes all the different corporations that they um, may own. And um, I know I myself have been guilty of doing my own little private investigating research. So um, I know that uh, that's that's something that uh, happens in Florida. Is that something that um, folks can do with um, a Nevada corporation, for instance? Oh, yeah. In Nevada, you could do the exact same thing. But the good thing about Nevada is Nevada allows for something called nominee directors. So when you form a corporation or an LLC in Nevada, you have to list the directors of the LLC or the corporation. But um, in Nevada, you can list a nominee director, somebody that just stands in the place of you. So in Nevada, you have to list the president, the secretary, um, the treasurer and um, a director, um, but you don't have to list the vice president. So what you do there is if your privacy is important to you, you hire a nominee director that just comes in and they're just standing in your place just for the purposes of the uh, corporation in Nevada. And um, when the bylaws are written, then in comes the vice president, and the vice president is the one that controls the corporation and does everything with the corporation. And the other pe- the other person that was standing in your place is just a nominee. So if you were if you were using a nominee director and somebody went to um, Nevada's Division of Corporation website and typed in your name, they would never see it because a nominee would be part of the uh, the corporation. Ah, very interesting. Yeah, that sounds much better. Um, so is that something that uh, you have to take into account then when you are setting up the um, corporation is uh, figure out if you um, 
uh, need basically what I'm trying to figure out is how do you people find these nominee um, representatives? Is that something that um, your accountant offers or is that something you decide who to set up? Um, how does that work exactly? Well, we have a company um, named CWS EAPA Entity Solutions, and um, our company offers nominee directors, um, so that's uh, one thing. But there's companies all over the Internet that offer nominee um, officers. Now, another thing about uh, Nevada is there's no state income tax. So if you have a, um, a physical presence in Nevada, which I would recommend if you did form a corporation in Nevada, that you come up with a physical presence, you use an address. So I know that when we form uh, Nevada corporations for our um, for our for the companies that uh, that we form them for, we always use our address in our office in Nevada um, as their physical address. So um, there is no state income tax um, if you do it that way. Yeah, I do. I I do realize that's one of the things that I've noticed is uh, we when we do set up a corporation in Nevada, um, it kind of. Uh, we form it with um, giving them that option to um, have that physical presence in Nevada through our office and um, offering the, the nominee service. So I didn't know if that was something that was common, you know, or that a lot of people knew about. So um, I think that's that's a great idea and definitely a great option for folks who are interested in privacy. What about Delaware? Um is that uh, similar to Nevada, or what are the benefits of Delaware? Why do we see a lot of Delaware corporations? Delaware corporations are basically for your bigger corporations like Microsoft and uh, Google and, and things like that. The reason for that is if you have a physical presence in Delaware, then you fall under Delaware state law. So, um there's a big thing where people just hate corporations. They just do. They hate corporations. So um, in most states, if there's a trial, it will always be a jury trial. And um, the the outcome of that trial is usually not based upon facts. It's, it's based upon the jury's emotion to this uh, corporation. So um, – in Delaware, it's different. Everything is brought under something called the Court of Chancery. And in that particular court, um, the judge uh, makes all the rulings based on law and not on any emotion. So that's the biggest benefit to um, to a Delaware corporation. It sounds like uh, Delaware is definitely uh, a place that's a little more friendly towards the business since um, uh, a lot of those big corporations uh, – seem to form their uh, corporations in Delaware. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. So I just want to, before our show is almost over, so I just wanted to um, talk about and and close with um, a big idea. So the question is always asked, when should you incorporate? So um, I always like to give the answer of a time that if you're going to make any more than $10,000 in a year, um, you should form uh, an LLC taxes and S corporation or form a corporation taxes and S corporation. And the reason why I, I give $10,000 as, um, as the, the absolute cutoff there is you don't want to pay more in fees 
um, than you would actually pay in taxes. So to form a corporation, it costs money. And then you have to have an accountant do a corporate tax return. Um, so you're going to save uh, at $10,000, you're going to save roughly $1,530 in taxes um, forming a corporation, an S corporation or an LLC taxes an S corporation. So that's when you should start doing it. So if you have your own, you have an, your own full-time job and you're doing something on the side and it's just um, a business that you're starting up or something like that, you're selling things on eBay or maybe doing something on Etsy and you're not making the $10,000 level. Now that's gross income minus expenses. If you're not coming to that $10,000 level, it's perfectly fine to remain a sole proprietorship provided you don't have any of the legal um, objections that uh, some businesses have where um, they're in a very litigious uh, business. So, um, you know, as long as that's not happening, then um, you can wait until the time when you start making $10,000. Well, that makes perfect sense. Well, this uh, concludes our show for today. Um, I ask that you guys tune in next week when we're going to discuss employee versus independent contractor. We get uh, that question quite a bit. Um, I just want to close by saying that um, our show is sponsored by Tax Crisis Center, LLC, and CWSCAPA, LLP. And uh, CWSCAPA, LLP is a nationally recognized brand of accounting, tax, and financial services. You can call CWSCAPA at 1-844-CWSEAPA or find them online at www.cwseapa.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to Tax Avoidance is Legal, and we will see you next week.